0: We talked about chiasms, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but uh, one of the things... Well, tell me about chiasms. What do you remember about chiasms? It's a pattern. pattern. What kind of pattern is it? I see motions. (laughs) It's kind of like half of an X, right? That's why it's called chiasm, because in Greek, the letter that we would call x is called chi so it's like this and then out and it's and it's lettered a and a prime those kind of coordinate they say either a similar thing or an opposite thing so that um well you tell me why would you use a chiasm if you were writing something emphasis. emphasis reinforces the points anything else Okay, it's memorable. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. That was over 60 years ago, and yet, um, you know, it's sort of common knowledge, at least if you're over 40. Um, <laughs> and, and, and it's memorable. It's much more memorable than if Kennedy had said, you know, I think every American should be civ- civically involved and then went on to something else, but it's very memorable. Okay, uh, anything else that you think is interesting about chiasms? No. (laughs) They're really cool. They're really cool. (laughs) I'm glad you taught it to me. Oh, my goodness. I'll I'll pay you later. Um, (laughs) um, Are there more of those papers? Oh, yes. Um, Peggy has them. Well, he'll come back, maybe. As I'm reading the Bible,
1: you know, yes.
0: daily or whatever, I sort of pick up on that in different Oh, places. yes. Oh, good. So Chris is saying that now as she's reading the Bible, she kind of notices a few of these. And there's people that are just obsessed, and they try to make chiasms out of everything, trust me. But And I'm like, oh, that's pretty far-fetched. I don't know. But um, one, you know, we, we talked about some examples that are a way of outlining the whole book of James. And I gave you like a really simple one, a little more involved one and a little more involved one, but there are really involved ones. But in addition to that, within the book of James, there are quite a few spots where there's, Um, Just a verse or two or three is a little chiasm all its own. And so this is one that's pretty clear, I think. It's in the first chapter. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So you've got no one, anyone, tempted, tempted, tempted. Tempted, tempted, God, God. So, so usually the, the the point of the half X is the, the, the main um, idea, what the person wants to emphasize, what they what they're trying to get across. And so I guess you would say here that, hey, your temptation is not about God. God isn't doing it. There's other things. You know, and he went on and talked about that um my response within me to things that outer things that happen or thoughts that occur to me that's where the temptation is it's not um that god god does not tempt he may test he may he may uh, um, allow us to go through difficulties but he's not going to tempt us to do something wrong so that's just a good thing to you know, a comforting thing to remember. Um, Let's see. Okay. Um, Oh, before I forget, Shirley brought some more of these yarrow books. This is the series that Precept is doing. It's, they, they're just using the name yarrow. It's a plant that's a healing um, something, So that's why they called it yarrow but if you'd like to look at these they are visually very attractive and they're still looking at scripture and marking and answering questions and all that but they're especially designed to appeal to young adults and you know with with a um, probably a shorter attention span on the average because of all the media they've been exposed to there's an app they can do those studies online they even they're doing a lint study you know for 40 days or whatever it is and so if you want to look at any of these I, I think I'll just leave them up here instead of passing three of them around but the first series is about identity and one's known one's restored I think there's one called forgiven and sojourn and I think they're coming out with a second series so if you've tried to get some younger people interested in precept and they're just like oh dude and and especially if they're in college they don't want to do another another um study that's a little bit like homework and and they're just overwhelmed with their schoolwork so those are those are very attractive they can be done alone they're better if you do them in a group but um kind of young adults but what's that No, I think I think middle school or high school and and college age, young adult. Yeah. Okay, back to the back to our regular programming. Um, So verses one through six in chapter five, uh, who who were those verses directed toward? Okay, so the rich and was it good news or bad news? Bad. And what was the problem? Like what? what's going to happen to the rich okay and why would they be judged it's not bad to be rich is it okay the way they were rich joe had some great phrases for those three different um, areas do you remember or do you have those there Selfish selfish hoarding that was verse two and three Selfish lifestyle. That's four and five, and, um, de- defrauding, workers. and defrauding of their workers. That that was verse um, six. Well, four. I maybe got the. I maybe got the words wrong. Anyway, so <clears throat> um, so who are the rich in our culture? We are. <laughs> in, we can always find somebody who's richer, right? Oh, movie stars, sports people, if you own uh, a big media or tech company or something. But if you look around the world, you're right. We are the rich, the poorest one among us, who struggles to pay their electric bill and has to you know, watch every penny. We're still rich by worldwide standards. And so, we shouldn't be too quick to say, "Oh yeah, this is for those those rich um, music people that those those rappers that you know make all that money by vulgar lyrics and stuff like that." Because we're the rich, if you look at the big picture, and so we shouldn't be too quick to to uh, condemn the other people but it's good to ask ourselves am i hoarding am i am i ripping off anybody you know because i want to get ahead financially and am i um what was the other one? Um, Oh, living living selfishly while people around me especially other believers um s- truly struggle so those are good questions to ask ourselves all right let's go in Two, verse 7 therefore be patient brethren so big clue now who's he talking to okay the believers the church that he's written or maybe churches um because this letter may have been passed around in various local churches notice he doesn't he doesn't mention like oh and greet so and so and tell those two to stop fighting and you know, that kind of thing that he does in a bunch of the other letters. So this could be a circular letter that that's going to be passed around because it's written to, if you remember the very first verse, it's written to the, the 12 tribes that are dispersed abroad. So, so obviously they're not all in one little clump somewhere. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so now, therefore, brethren, therefore. So in light of the fact that that there's oh and what's he telling the the rich basically because of these charges against them because of the patterns of how they've used their wealth what's going to happen they're condemned any other words out of there death slaughter fire so there's judgment coming now obviously these are non-believers and if they were believers he would be appealing to them like he did about partiality you know brother and this should not be this way you need to do this and that but he's basically telling these this group of people your condemnation is coming now there could be a few that wake up and say whoa but but basically it's not good news Then he switches gears in verse 7, and he says, Therefore, in light of the fact that these people that have not been generous, that have been self-centered, that have ripped off some of you brethren, he's saying, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it, until it gets the early and late rains. (coughs) Sorry. You too, be patient and strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. All right, i got to have some water. So he's talking to them, the brethren, about how they should live and what their um, mindset and action should be in light of the fact that these wealthy people around them are not being nice to them. Strengthen your heart, for the coming of the Lord is near. Verse 9. Do not complain, brethren, against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. And you have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Okay, so let's go back. Um, So there's a change in focus and um, let's, let's pick out the commands. Where did I, well, can somebody erase our little chiasm please, Chris? So let's, uh, of those verses, let, what, what directions, what instructions, what commands, what exhortations is he giving the brethren, the ancestors, the, the believers, the church? Be patient. Be patient. Now, how many times did patient or some variation of the word patience, patient, patience? What's that? Yes. Weight is actually a different root word, but it it has a very similar meaning. So what have we got? About five times? Something like that. Did any of you look up the word patient? Word nerds. Thank you Chris okay so we're gonna commands and and I, we can think about ourselves when we're in a tough situation somebody's not doing how we think they should do <clears throat> and it may be truly difficult not just like oh I rather they painted the church green instead of blue but but um truly it can be truly somebody is causing real difficulties for me so here are some commands so all right so be patient what what um what verses was that in twice in seven right or is one of okay seven seven and eight and then there was also ten. patience. Okay, 10. Thank you. Okay. And then somebody mentioned weight. Where was that? Also in seven. Okay. So did anybody look up the word for patient? <coughs> All right. I'll give it to you what I found. Yes, 3114 and 3115. The 4 one is the verb, and the 5 one is the noun patience. (coughs) Okay. Um, It means to persevere, to be forbearing. To suffer long, or like in the Bible, it'll say long suffering. <clears throat> and I thought this was interesting. It says to defer anger and only express it as God directs. Remember, um, it's the Bible says, "Be angry and sin not." Jesus was angry. I mean, he tipped over the tables in the in the temple. Uh, area, he was angry about people disrespecting God and and His place, and so, <clears throat> so I can be angry at somebody that's being mistreated, about human trafficking, about uh, seeing somebody beat up a little kid, or you know something like that. I can be angry about that, but but I'm not to sin in the process of how I respond to it. <clears throat> and then one of the books said, it's the opposite of being quick tempered. So I don't just react like the first thought that comes to mind. So that's what this particular word patient or patience means. Okay, so we have a be patient. That's a, that is a command. We have be patient again in eight. What's the next command? Strengthen your heart. Start RENGTH. You know, lots of aerobics. Was that verse eight? Okay. So I'm not just supposed to wait. Oh, we didn't talk about the meaning of the word weight, did we? Um, we will in a moment. Let's see. As soon as I find it, it's here somewhere. <clears throat> it's the, it's similar in meaning. Um, verse, um, verse seven, right? Okay. It's number fifteen fifty-one. and it means to expect or to prepare to welcome. I thought that was pretty interesting. So it's not a passive thing of like, oh, I'm just waiting, but I have this hopeful expectation that something good is gonna happen, and I'm doing some things to prepare, such as strengthening my heart. Okay, so what what does it mean to strengthen your heart? For the coming of the Lord is near. What does it mean to strengthen your heart? Take courage. courage. Mm -hmm. Go for a walk. Go for a walk. Build up some aerobic. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? Dwell on the the truth. Yeah, that would be good. Okay. Um, I did look up the word strengthen. And you're on the right track. Um, <clears throat> it's 4741. <clears throat> 4741 for strengthen. It means to stabilize, to firmly fix. That's your dwell on the truth, right? Firmly fix, to um, establish or make secure. And then I really like this to eliminate vacillation remember back in the first chapter when it said the double-minded man should not expect that his prayers would be answered that word the double-minded meant back and forth oh well yeah i believe god oh i better take care of this myself yeah yeah yeah. No, i trust god i really do i, I want to trust god well i'm going to go see if so-and-so can help me well i really trust god i don't know if god's going to come through you know back and forth and back and forth so he's saying get it straight in your mind, dwell on the truth, uh, strengthen your heart, because it's going to be a rough ride. And, and even though he says, um, until the coming of the Lord, and, and then in verse 9, <clears throat> the judge is standing right at the door. Um, this was like a couple of thousand years ago. So how could he say the coming of the Lord is near, uh, you know, get ready, um, all that. Why, how could he say that? How could, I mean. In light of eternity, a of thousand years isn't very long. Good. In light of eternity, a couple of thousand years isn't long. Now, obviously, these people, that these brethren, that he was writing to originally, they're already dead before the Lord comes, but <clears throat> there's still others of us that hasn't. Um, also, uh, from last week, when did the last days begin? Of course, resurrection and ascension and yeah, when Christ came and, and the, the death on the cross and the resurrection and ascension and all that. That was when the last days. So when they say in the latter days this will happen or in the last days this will happen, It's talking about the time from when Jesus first came until now, or, well, until he returns, okay? Um, Okay, let's see, what am I missing? Uh, Strengthen your hearts. We talked about that. Okay. um, uh, on On page 79 in your lesson, you had a question about... Page 79, the first question um, at the bottom, day four. It says, list all the references to the coming of the Lord in the first 11 verses. So we've kind of looked at 7, 8, and 9. Were there any references to the coming of the Lord in 1 to 6? Yeah, three. 3, okay. 3 says, "In the, it is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. And then... Um, let's see was there another one seven, eight, nine. in 789 you might you might consider verse 5 where it says you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter because most of the references to a day of slaughter are talking about judgment like future judgment so that could be one as well okay um, good um, so he, he he challenges them to be patient, to strengthen their hearts, um, and and um, oh, I wanted to tell you about the coming of the Lord. Um, that word is parousia, uh, thirty nine fifty two, in verse seven and verse eight. The coming of the Lord, coming thirty nine. 52, 3952. And it means um, arrival, so like the return of Jesus. But in the Middle East, it was, it, it's kind of like James used this term to refer to Jesus' return. But in the Middle East, it was a it was a specific term that was used for a royal visit to deal with a situation. I thought that was kind of cool. Like if somebody has to come and deal, you know, like the, it's a big Roman empire, right? And then if they have to send somebody, um, some official to some area to deal with something, that's, that's a parousia. That's an arrival. That's, it's not just that they show up, but they show up with a purpose. They're going to fix the situation, make things right. So, so when he says that to them, they're like, oh, It's like that we heard about the, you know, Rome sending somebody over to such and such province to, you know, fix that rebellion or whatever. So so he's telling them Jesus is coming and he's going to make things right. He's going to take care of some of these things. Therefore, um, verse nine, there's another uh, command. Do not complain against one another. And that's verse 9. Just to remind you, it's always a good idea to write down what verse you got your answers from. So when you come to class and you share it and everybody else says, oh, I didn't even see that. And then you say, oh, it's right there in verse eight. And also it keeps us honest, like we're not making things up like, oh, I bet he meant, you know, it it helps us really stay true to what what's actually said there. Okay, so he says, don't complain against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. That's been a theme the whole book, hasn't it? I mean, we're in the last chapter and he's talked in, in several different ways about the danger of misusing words of our tongue, of, of speech being used in ways that harm people, that dishonor God, that reveal ugly things inside us. And so Again, he's keeping up that theme of watch your words. Don't complain against one another, because if you do, then, you know, you could be in danger of some judgment. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to be burned with fire like the non-believing people in the first six verses. It just means that there'll be maybe a loss of a reward or something like that, that it still isn't pleasing to God. Um, Let's Oh, I was going to tell about the word complain. Let's see. Uh, somewhere here. Can anybody look that word up? Yes. That to grumble or sigh or groan. To grumble or sigh or groan. I see somebody sighing and rolling their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Right or moan and it doesn't even have to be out loud it can be just murmur 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 Um, let's see if I have its number did you get 4727 yes Um, to express grief anger or desire 4727 Uh Yeah, <laughs> way too many scriptures about the tongue. I wonder why that is. Hmm. Do not grumble. Um, uh, to react to pressure. And, and um, a lot of times it means just internal. But in this case, he says, uh, do not complain against one another. So <clears throat> could be out loud. But what happens when a group of people is experiencing a lot of pressure from outside. They start getting kind of grumpy with each other, right? Well, if you hadn't done this, well, you guys should have done that. Well, maybe this or, you know. So I think he's saying, listen, when things get tough, don't start turning on each other. Don't, don't complain about your brother uh, because things are difficult. Um, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge. Remember before when he said there is a judge, like don't put yourself above the word and all that. There is a judge and it's not you. Don't put yourself above the word. Don't, don't try to take on the role of judging other people. So he's repeating that thought here. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. In other words, his coming is, is soon. Um, as an example, so now he's, uh, well, let's first, let's talk about the farmer example back in verse seven. So he gives a couple of examples. So he uses a farmer as an example of what? Of that patience. Um, So what does he say about the farmer? Like, how is the farmer patient? Okay. So you plant your seed and you don't go the next day and harvest the crop, right? The fruit. So there's a waiting time. And what happens during that waiting time? And who's in charge of the rain? Okay, so, so the example of the farmer is um, I do what I'm supposed to do and then it's kind of out of my hands when the rains come god is at work and and then eventually there will be fruit there will be results there will be uh the blessing of of that harvest if the birds don't come eat right <laughs> i think one of the commentaries that i was looking at said this is a combination of the soils and can't remember some other parable okay so that you yourselves may not be judged because the real judge is standing right at the door. So don't complain to each other. So in that waiting time, you've got to be patient. You've got to strengthen your heart. Now, if you're a smart farmer, after you plant your, let's say you're growing wheat, after you plant your wheat, how what do you do until harvest? Do you just sit around Okay. So you, so you, what (laughs) you work on your tractor. That's right. You get your, you make sure your, your machines and your equipment are working because we're going to have a a crop. We're going to have fruit. We got to prepare for that. You, um, might even help the farmer next door. You, you might, um, I don't know, make sure your silo is okay. Whatever you, you, You're prepared because you truly expect that there's going to be some fruit. So he's telling them that's the same line as strengthen your heart, right? Same idea. Like, while you're waiting, you're not just idle. Uh, You may rest a little bit. Farmers may go on vacation during the slow time. We got our seed planted, and now we we can go on vacation because we don't have anything that we can do for the next couple of weeks until that, that crop is up. Okay, um, let's see. All right, um, verse okay, verse ten. He uses another example of patience, of endurance, um, and that is who? that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because first he gives like an everyday practical, like, you know, it was a farming, um, they're like, these are, these are not the wealthy people that own big, huge estates. These are the guys that are like sharecroppers and, or, or even just have their own little fields that they're managing. So, so he talks to them about something very practical that they're all aware of. Then he, then he shes, says, okay, there is... Um, there's some things from the Bible that you could look at. So verse 10, as an example, uh, brethren, he's still talking to the brethren, um, verse 7, brethren, verse 9, brethren, verse 10, brethren, as an example of suffering and patience. So they're, they're experiencing difficulty, but they're also being patient in the midst of it. As an example of both those, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So he's talking about Old Testament prophets. And um, you had some, let's see, page 80, you had a question. And these were most, I think these were all New Testament references, but they referred to some things about the Old Testament prophets, right? So question three um note what the prophets of God endured. Okay, so Matthew 5:12. What does that say? Okay, and what and what did they undergo? Okay, so they were persecuted. I'm going to put nouns. Persecution. Okay, that's from 5 12. How about uh, the passage Matthew 23? There's several uh, verses there. What are some of the things that they experienced? Oh, murdered. They were murdered, Stoned. That's with rocks, not a plant. Flogged. That means beaten, right? Uh, Anything else? Crucified. Crucified. Oh, my goodness. Okay, have we missed any? There's probably um, some that, you know, use the same word or something. Shedding of blood, specifically, it said in 30 and 35. Also in Matthew 25. Yes. It is pretty interesting. I wrote that down here, too. I, Jesus sinned. <laughs> yes. Okay, so these people that are representing God, doing what they think God wants them to do, and still they had problems. Hmm. Uh, what about First Thessalonians? Anything different? Thrown out, thrown out of what? I have driven out. Was it like from the city? Killed, excluded. Okay, and then the Matthew twenty one. Some, some. Uh, it says it's an interesting parable which shows how the prophets um, were treated. Remember. What was the parable about? The vine growers. Right. Right. Yeah. So the owner, the master who owned this vineyard or whatever field, he would send representatives, and they were what? Beaten. Beaten. Uh, we already said killed and stoned, right? Murder, killed. Okay. So, (laughs) if you were listening to James' letter being read, would this, like, really encourage you? (laughs) Take as an example all those Old Testament prophets. Uh, They were an example of suffering and patience, and they spoke in the name of the Lord. I personally think that the first part of verse 11 goes along with, verse 10 where it says we count those blessed who endured i kind of think that because then i think he he talks about another subject so um, so uh, he says they were blessed i mean they they had difficulties in this life but in eternity they are blessed right god is god takes care of them um, Let's see. Okay, so verse uh, 11. There's another biblical example, and who is this? Job. Job. A lot of people think Job is a kind of an unexpected example to use in terms of endurance and patience and suffering. Now, he certainly suffered, um, Yeah. (laughs) Job, Job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you may suffer on your job, like Job. Um, Okay, we count those blessed who endured. I kind of think that refers mostly back to the Old Testament prophets, but it also is true of Job. It says, you have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. That is, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Okay, so they asked us to, to, I mean, Job is like 42 chapters, so they didn't ask us to read the whole book, fortunately. <clears throat> but, but we were to read the first two and then the last one and see how things ended up. Um, so... Uh, what did you learn from chapter one? And I've made categories here. Uh, what was Job's situation? What, what did we learn about his character? And then what do we learn about God? So, uh, chapter one. Job was rich. Okay, he was rich. What else? Okay, so that's more about his character. That's okay. He was blameless and upright. What's that? Okay, God-fearing. So he was not one of those rich people that, verses 1 through 6, apparently. Now, if they'd had us read all of the book of Job it would have outlined some things that he did to help others. But, but he is blameless and upright and God-fearing, so, so he's not um, just all about Job, like, like those verse 1 through 6 people. Okay, big family and friends. Um. Anything else from chapter one? So shunned evil. Oh, shunned evil. Okay, anything else from chapter one? Okay, so, um, in chapter is chapter one includes some of his loss, right? Okay, so then so he had all this stuff. Then what happened? Lost. I'll just put lost it all. All meaning, except his wife. Except his wife. Yeah. So his riches, which a lot of that was in his um, cattle. That was a a form of wealth then. So he lost it all, his children, just in weird ways, things happened, um, except his wife, right? Um, okay. Um, and how did he respond when he lost it all? Did we learn anything new about his character? He, let go God. he didn't let go of God. He didn't blame God. Oh, didn't blame God, yeah. Yeah, did not blame God. Didn't, didn't like badmouth God. It said he still blessed God and he didn't sin. In other words, don't grumble, brethren, when you're in a tough thing. So, okay. Um, what about chapter two? What happened? Oh, did we learn anything about God in the first chapter? Okay, he puts limits... on Satan he is sovereign. Nothing happens without, him. without his permission now that doesn't mean bad things that he came up with but he could sometimes allow something that from our viewpoint is not not fun okay chapter 2 uh, he lost everything what else anything else that happened in chapter 2 what about his friends and family that? They with him. Okay, so some, um, some sympathized. We'll wife, yes, I want to talk a little bit about Job's wife. She gets a bad rap. God and God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, so. So, so at first it was like just his wealth, ju- just, just his wealth, just his family. But then physical, physical ailments, boils or sores all over himself. Um, so in 2.9 uh, in Job, it says that um, his wife said, curse, well, I should just read it. Job, Job, Nehemiah, Esther, Job nine then his wife this is after he he got all those sores then his wife said to him do you still hold fast your integrity curse god and die (coughs) okay the hebrew word for curse now this is hebrew because it's old testament is 1288 (coughs) and the word is Barak, like a certain former president. B-A-R-A-K and it means praise. It means to kneel, to bless, to salute, to thank, to adore, to bow to. And so all these years, we've heard Mrs. Job vilified that she says, curse God and die. Speaks to her level of grief. Good point. Renee says it kind of speaks to her level of grief. Look, she lost her wealth too. She lost her children. And in some ways, a mom is even closer to kids because they've carried them and given birth to them and all that so she lost her kids and and all and then she watches her husband who's a godly man suffer with this all this stuff and then he's now he's got these sores and everything so she's struggling um there's a couple of possibilities <clears throat> Um, One book said that sometimes this word, uh, Barak, praise, can be used sarcastically to mean curse. You know, like, oh, well, why don't you just praise God for that, you know? But it also, another thing is that she could have been saying, not like, I'm tired of you, just, you know, God's been bad to you, curse him and die. She may have been thinking, "What's going to come next? He's probably going to die." Mm -hmm. So she may have been saying, "Listen, say a blessing because he—he it says he's refused to turn against God. He's refused to um, curse God. He's—he's did not blame God." So she may have been saying, "Listen, hun, I things are not going well. I see this trend." Maybe you should just say a little blessing and prepare to die. Right, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we accept good from God and not accept adversity? And in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So he could have been saying, I don't think God's going to allow me to die. Why why would you say that? Like she's basically possibly saying give up right. I mean, just maybe she has yeah right she's, yeah widows in survivor. those days yeah so it's very interesting but james brings up job as an example of what a patient endurance and then you read how are we do it on time we're getting pretty close okay so you read the last chapter and what happened in the last chapter, chapter 42? Okay, first um, I hear repentance. So in the first six verses, Job, he, um, he confesses and repents like, I've said some kind of stupid things in my pain, you know. So um, he was ignorant. He didn't know. Because if you read the whole book of Job, there's all this debate between job and god and god says job were you there when i did this and were you there when i created the mountains and were you there and job realizes oh i guess my perspective is kind of limited compared to god's and then um, god kind of um is displeased with his friends because they didn't speak very um accurately either and and um Several times, God refers to Job as my servant, Job. And then he restores the things, you know, his wealth and all that stuff, twice as much except the same number of kids. So, um, but twice as much of the wealth that he had before. So he's, so James is using him as an example of, you can go through very, very, rough times but but trust god he he's still he's he's faithful he's he's sovereign he puts limits on what satan can do um i don't know what else i wrote there um but i think it's it's pretty much video time huh um psalm seven picture thing too yes and how we apply it like to my life i feel like if i have one thing, and then it feels like another thing, and then another thing. Yes. Like to start out like Job, like, okay, I'm just going to see whatever the lesson is. By the time I get to the end, I will be Yes. When a bunch like, of things think. happen at once or right after another, then it's very testing of and us. And then if anyone whispers in your ear,
1: well, maybe you've done something wrong. Yeah. Maybe you're being so right. I had that as a kid. Sure. It's
0: like, well, I didn't truly repent, or I'm not being good now. Right, right. Like, right. We don't need to appease God. Because people assume, well, if that bad thing happened, mm-hmm. that something must be wrong. And it's not necessarily true. In fact, Job, God allowed these things to happen to Job because he was faithful, because he was um, truly loved and followed God, not just for the goodies God allowed him to have, not just for the blessings, because that's what Satan said. oh, He only follows you because you give him good stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Yes, yeah. But and that's also encouraging, I think. Yes. Even right Sure. God, stays, stays right with God us. is faithful, yep. Yep, yep. And he knows those that are his, and he continues to work with us. You can write a book on Joel called Second Opinion. yeah. <laughs> right this is what not to do (laughs) didn't he say miserable counselors are you all or something like that at some point like you guys are no help uh if you didn't read psalm 73 that's um day five that's it really has good um thoughts and and words along the idea of you know why are these things happening i thought i was doing what God wanted me to do and then um, we will talk about oaths next week because I kind of think that verse 12 it sort of goes with what's before but it also sort of goes with after with what's after so let's roll it